0: want to thank you for all for coming today. I, I believe God has brought us here for such a time as this. And uh, if you're a guest today, I, I'd, I'd like to meet you. And if you would, before you leave today, just I hang around the front. And anybody needs prayer or would like to talk to me, I do that after service. And also, I have a special gift for all of the uh, guests. If, if you're a first-time visitor guest, come up this morning. I have a special gift for you. I'd like for you to uh, come and get. And, and also, uh Kayla said something about the lilies. We've only got a couple weeks for these Easter lilies, and uh, Bill, I think they're ten dollars. Is that right? Is they're ten dollars? You can put you can put it in the offering. You can hand it to me. You can hand it to Belle. Belle way is back there. She'll so put it in for you. But we will we will in honor of your loved one, uh, living or deceased, and we will we will put them up here, and uh, you'll see all those lilies. And and uh, anyway, uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, you can. Um, Again, I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, Our message today is building a strong spirit. And I believe that God has something for you today to deposit in you, in your heart. I don't believe it's by chance that you're here. The purpose of testing your faith is to help you see whether or not your faith is real and how strong your faith is how many of you want a strong faith let me see your hands this morning now if you want a strong faith i believe you've come to the right place and i believe that god is going to help today to deposit something within you a jeweler gives uh as one of the surest tests for a true diamond what is called the water test so when they put that uh diamond in the water and the the uh, the one that's not real and the one that's real in the water the one that is real begins to sparkle Many times we feel like that, that we're, uh, you know, a flood has come against us. And, uh, but, you know, our faith is tested. And, you know, when it's tested, it makes it more stronger. So at Open Bible Christian, my goal is to see that this congregation becomes stronger spiritually. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God wants you to be strong. God doesn't want you to be a, a spiritual wimp, but he wants you to be strong in the Lord. And the only way that you can be strong in the Lord is when you begin to receive God's word in your heart, in your spirit, and it becomes part of you. It is who you are. And when things come against you, it's the word that comes out. So my desire for you to be uh, strong, you know, spiritually, uh, physically, financially. Matter of fact, in the month of May, our goal is to have uh, another uh, Peace uh, uh, financial peace university teach him, Dave Ramsey. Uh, We're looking into that and and have something to strengthen us in every way that we can because I believe that's God's will. So look in your notes, or if you would, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, and in the New Living Translation, it says this, I pray from God's glorious unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Spirit. I want to read that again. Let's look at it again. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads? Father, I want to thank you today that you've brought us here for such a time as this. uh, To, Lord, pour in us your spirit and your power, your presence and your word. Your word is the lamp at our feet, the light into our pathway. Help us, God, as we walk out of this place to be strong in the Lord. And everybody that believes that, say amen. Now, here's the question. Do you really want to be stronger in your faith this year? And if the question is yes, then I want you to just kind of move up a little bit this morning. I want you to listen up this morning. I want you to buckle up this morning because God has something for you. Being uh, stronger will not happen by accident. Can I get an amen this morning? it'll happen because you want it to happen. You know, it'll happen by intention. Uh, you know, you have to be intentional on what God is doing in your life. I believe that with all my heart. So today I want you to look at the, we're going to look at the life of Samson uh who is known as the strongest man in the Bible, but he had glaring glaring weaknesses. There was things holes in Samson's life. He might have been strong physically, but there was holes in his life spiritually that really brought him down. Matter of fact, let me just say this: the greatest nation of all time, the greatest, one of the greatest nations of all time, was the Roman Empire. Uh, you know, six hundred and some years it lasted, strong, you know, very strong, and it and it had one of the mightiest armies on the face of the earth. Okay, matter of fact, there was so uh, uh, you know they, they they used so much in, you know uh, thought and things that they did that they the, they were feared by everyone around them. But the Roman Empire fell because of within, the weakness within, the spiritual weakness from within. And that's the reason that we need to be strong today. So we look at the life of Samson, and in his life, we see both sources of strength and sources of weaknesses. So I want you today to turn with me, and if you've got your notes, but turn. uh, Go to chapters 13 first. We're going to look at 13, 14, 15, and 16. And we see this guy named Samson, and today... We're going to look today at three attitudes that weaken your spirit. And next week, next week we're gonna look at three habits that strengthen your spirit, that we may be strong in the Lord. First of all, we're gonna look at today one of the things that weaken us. And we need to know, know your enemy, know the things that you're fighting against. So we're gonna give you that. So the Bible tells us that John the Baptist was strong in spirit. There was something about John the Baptist as he would just look at Roman soldiers and he'd quote the word of God you know you vipers you snakes you come to me you know and i mean he was so strong in the spirit and 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 many roman soldiers gave their heart to jesus because of this man's strong spirit that he has so physically strong samson was like a rambo okay but spiritually he was like a peewee herman come on somebody I mean, you know, that's the way it was spiritually, you know. So he was a weakling. He was a wimp. And, and he had everything going for him. He had talent. He had looks. He had ability. Uh, God blessed him with every kind of way that was so great. I mean, this was a man that just to be looked at, he had a lot of uh, early successes as well. I mean, things just begin to fall in line. But one day, he lost it all, okay? And he was a broken man. And he became a failure. And I don't want to see that for any of you an open Bible Christian. I want to see you strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Ephesians 6.10. That is what you need to take and hang on your uh, refrigerator or wherever that you look every day and know that God wants you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, okay? One day he woke up and all his strength was gone. Uh, I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to be successful, okay? So what happened with Samson? We asked that question. He chose a lifestyle that sapped his spiritual strength. He began to flirt uh, with sin, and, and, and we see his downfall of that. So three traps. Write this down. You know, three traps that Samson fell into that I want you to avoid. Three traps that Samson fell into that I want you to avoid. Number one, write this down. Self-indulgence weakens my spirit. Self-indulgence weakens my spirit. This is the first trap. That will weaken your spirit is self-indulgence. What are you talking about, Pastor? What does that look like? Self-indulgence weakens my spirit. We find an example of that in chapter 14, a book of Judges, verses 1 through 20, if you're looking there. Samson lived a very self-indulgent life. He was very undisciplined, in other words. He lived with his feelings, and his big weakness, of course, was women that was the problem that he had you know some people that you talk about wine women and song for samson it was women women and women okay that's all he had on his mind okay and it began to weaken him now this past week i i, w- I was talking to him uh, uh, to a, a, a person who was a muslim he was talking about the muslim faith okay a- and they talked about the reward of paradise of 70 virgins and my thoughts was would that be heaven or hell come on somebody I, I mean, you know, God give us one, and that's all we need. Can you say amen? That's good enough for me. Somebody say amen. Amen, yes. In fact, the chapters, uh, you know, here we find that Samson falls for three different women, okay? He keeps running into relationships, running out of relationships, and running from relationships. So he had a problem with relationships, okay? This this is his problem. The Bible tells us in chapter 14 uh the first three verses if you want to look there okay he sees this woman by the name of delilah everybody say delilah and he says she looks good in other words it's just one look that's all it took you know And she hooked him right in, you know. In other words, the outward appearance that just pulled him right in. Now, he didn't didn't see what was on the inside of her. He didn't see what her spirit was like. He didn't check out her character. He just thought, wow, she looks good, and I want that. And he was going after that. Uh, She wasn't Jewish. She wasn't even the right woman that God had chosen for him. But he said, she looks good. She lights my fire, and that's good enough. I want her. That's where he was. Uh, so let's just be honest here today. You know, sex is God's idea. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with sex. But the point is, every good thing and becomes harmful if they are out of control. Food, money, sex, sleep, anything that's out of control, folks, will bring harm to you. You need to be in control of everything. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And if there's something that's controlling you, you know, that's not a healthy thing. You need to be in control of that. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, as I said, there's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong. In the right confines, it's okay. God says it's good. God says, I bless it. But let me tell you something, if it's controlling your life, see, some people, money controls their life. Now, the money's not a sin, but the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil, but the love of it. In other words, if it's controlling you, then we have a problem here. If food is controlling you, we have a problem here. If if, if any of these things are controlling you, we have a problem. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So the first trap that weakens your spirit, okay, look at this, It's when you make decisions based on pleasure rather than principle. When you make a decision based on convenience rather than conviction. See, folks, I believe that we need to have some convictions in our life. I believe there needs to be some things in our lives where we draw lines. If you believe that, say amen. Now, I might be a little old-fashioned, but that's what the Word of God teaches, that we need to have conviction instead of convenience. It may be convenient for me to do something, but it might not be in, in my conviction to do that. And if, it is, if it's not in my conviction, I'm not going to do it, and neither should you. If you believe that, say amen. And that's we, where we need to be with some of these things that we are looking at, okay? So the first trap that we can just spirit is decisions based on pleasure. Samson sees a woman. He doesn't check her out. He doesn't find out if she's the right woman. He doesn't find out if she's Jewish. He just says, hey, she looks good, and I want her, okay? Is she going to build me up spiritually? He didn't ask that question. Or is she going to pull me down spiritually? He didn't even think about that. He just says, she looks good, and I want her. Go get her for me. He ignores his plans, But he follows his glands. Come on, somebody. He goes after his hormones and says, I got to have her. In other words, he's letting something control him, okay? Let me stop right here. Uh, Does this sound vaguely familiar in our culture today? I believe it does. You know, some people like, you know, if it feels good, do it. No, folks, sometimes if it feels good, don't do it. Come on, somebody. You know, it's just like drugs and stuff. You know, people are like, well, man, you know, this is a buzz. You gotta have this. You gotta have this. You gotta have this. Well, folks, yes. And you know what? They'll give you your first uh, hit. Come on, somebody, because they want you to get. They want you to get in the habit of that. And, and it's going to control your life. It's going to control your spirit. It's going to control everything about you. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're saying. Amen. Does our culture do live in, 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 in uh, cultural values? No, they don't, they, don't, they don't honor values. They don't honor values. If it, if it feels good, do it. And, and I should just give in in whatever feels good. That's what they're saying. Now, the second excuse that we use today is this one, I owe it to myself. And sometimes we think that. I just owe it to myself, you know. Uh, you deserve a break today. Just have that Big Mac. Come on, somebody, or you know uh, treat yourself whatever it is you know you know I owe it to myself my question is this what do you know in your life is wrong but you just keep saying I owe it to myself just this once he'll be okay folks let me tell you something that's all it takes sometimes to get the hook in you to pull you into things where you don't want to go you're going to get into a vacuum you do not a vortex that you do not want to go there come on somebody so the second excuse that we are used today is this one, I owe it to myself. My question is this, what do we know in our life is wrong, but we just keep saying it. Come on, somebody. Think about that. Now, you're opening the door to self-indulgence. This is exactly what it is. And it's what you want. It's what self is. And, you know, and self you know, is the, one of the, the biggest uh, devils that we face And the thing that God wants, you know, if any man comes after me, Jesus said this, you must deny, help me out, yourself. And it's that part of you that just wants your way, your will, your things instead of God's thing. Come on, somebody. Now, if you went on a cruise and the captain came on the loudspeaker and he said, hey, folks, we're on this two-week cruise. We developed a small leak, but I won't uh, tell you it's just a small leak. I'd be saying, "Where's the next port? Let me off." You know how many of you know it only takes a small leak, but after a while, a small leak's going to become a big leak. And when the when the ship is sinking, let me tell you something: it's sinking. You know, well, like the Titanic. Well, this ship cannot sink. Don't tell me that it did sink. And and, and the enemy is after our lives. If you believe that, say, "Amen." Now, the point is this. Any area that you're undisciplined in is going to weaken your spirit. And any area that you're undisciplined, it will eventually, you know, it'll catch up with you. And this is something that you need to know. So I want to give you this. Write this down, okay, in your notes. To be strong in the spirit, I must discipline my desires. To be strong in the spirit, I must discipline my desires. See, we all have desires, okay? We all have desires. But I want to be strong in the Spirit. If I want to be strong in the Spirit, I must discipline my desires. And you may have a desire to do thus and so. And many times things are not wrong, you know. And, and, and matter of fact, but we need to ask that question. I've got to have discipline in my life. Discipline my desires. To be strong in the Spirit, I've got to do that. Desires are good, but they must be disciplined. And the Bible says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Strengthen yourselves with Christ's way of thinking. Live your lives controlled by God's will, not by your human desires. So we've got to ask the question, what would Jesus do? We've got to ask the question, is this okay for me? Would, would, this, would, would the Lord say this is okay with me? And so we've got to question some of those things. What is he saying? Just because I want something doesn't mean that I should have it. There's a lot of things that I've wanted in life that, you know, I've taken a step back because I thought about it and thinking about it, you know, maybe God wants me to have it. Maybe it's not the time that I should have it. And, you know, I have to understand that, you know, what's God's timing as well, okay? So what is he saying? Because if I want something doesn't mean I should have it. Just because I can afford it doesn't mean I should buy it. And many people are doing that. They're, they're, they're buying things, you know, and, 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 it, and it, it's controlling them. Just because it's a pleasurable thing doesn't mean it's good. And just because everybody is doing it doesn't mean that I should do it. Can I get a witness? You say, well, so and so's doing it. Other people are doing it. Folks will tell you, you can't judge yourself by somebody else in this congregation. It doesn't match up that day. It doesn't work that way. You need to measure yourself by Christ. Come on, somebody. That's the measuring stick that you need to use because if you're measuring yourself by somebody else, maybe they're not where they need to be, okay? So you're basing that on that. Number two, write this down in your notes. This is a big one. Resentment weakens my spirit. Resentment weakens my spirit. This is the second trap that Samson fell into that caused him to lose his strength was resentment. Now, I want to zero in on this one because this is right where the rubber meets the road. And many times we're dealing with people in life. We're dealing with the relationships. And many times we get caught in that vortex of, you know, someone that, and sometimes it's those that are close to you that you feel that's put the knife in your back. And, and, and you know, resentment will well up within you. And you want to be resentful. Resentment will weaken you spiritually. It will weaken your spirit, okay? Judges 15. Turn over there real quick, would you? Now, Samson lived his entire life in a controlled state of disappointment and anger and resentment and bitterness. Samson was a very angry man. He felt misunderstood. He felt disappointed. He, he, he reacts violently to everything. Why? Because resentment was within him. His primary motivation in life was to get even. Now, you know, and he was like the Rambo, you know, you done this and I'm coming after you, you know, and, and, he, and, and you know, he made a movie, at him because, a movie about him because, and they did, and because that's, that's who he was. He was a very resentful person. Now, I asked a question this morning. Do you have that, the attitude that everybody is against you, that you're a victim of the world, uh, that, that's going to cause you to not grow in the spirit and it's going to weaken your spirit. So some people feel like they're a victim all the time. They're a victim of whatever. And, folks, we've got to rise above that. We've got to get out of that resentment thing of what somebody... Let me just say this. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Come on, somebody. In this world, people may not treat you the way that you should be treated. In this world, there's going to be people that are going to say things they shouldn't say. They're going to do things that they shouldn't do. And you're going to be the target of that. And you've got to understand that that will happen. You know, it, as, as I said before, you know, conflict, it's a, not a matter uh, of if. It's a matter of when, and it's a matter of how you're going to deal with it in your life because it's going to happen. Some of you might happen this week. It might happen this month but it's, or this year, but it's going to happen in your life. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with resentment? How do you deal with that that comes up in your life? I want you to think about that because these are some of the things that we've got to deal with. So in Judges 15, if you're there, they hurt me you know, they hurt me. Who has hurt you? That you're holding on to that hurt. Now, here's the thing. You need to let go of that hurt. You need to let go of that hurt. You need to give it to God. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying things to you that I'm preaching to myself as well. There's been too many times that I've been hurt in ministry and in situations and, and things that I thought, you know... You, you know, you 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 reach out to someone, or you do for someone, or whatever it may be, and 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 you come up on the short end of the stick, and and people. How many of you would agree that many people will disappoint you in life? You know, and how many of you would agree that hurt people hurt people? Somebody that's hurt, they hurt you because they've been hurt, and they want to hurt you, and and and, and you know, and, and sometimes they may not even realize what they're doing as they do it to you, and then they walk away, and then they leave you with this resentment, this feeling of you're angry, you're hurt, or whatever, and, and you're angry and hurt at them, and, and sometimes they don't even realize what they've done and maybe don't even care. Can they get a witness? So you need to just let go of it. You need to give it to God. Matter of fact, the Scripture says, cast all your care on Him. Give it to God. Everybody say, give it to God. Every one of us are hurt in life by what people say, by what people do, by what people think. You can't live a broken, in a broken world and not get hurt. We all get hurt. But Samson's second mistake is he reacts instead of acts. He reacts instead of acts. Resentment is always self-defeating. If you're resentful, it's going to be self-defeating. It always hurts you more than it hurts the other person. Can you say amen to that? And, you know, you might feel like I just like to wring their neck. Well, they don't know how that, that don't hurt them because you feel like you'd like to wring their neck. Come on, somebody. Or maybe you'd like to, you know, whatever. That doesn't hurt them. It hurts you more than anything else. It's bringing more pain to you than it is the other person. So we've got to understand, do you want to be strong? Let me show you a couple verses there uh, in your outline. Job chapter 5 and verse 2. I want you to notice this. Job 5, 2, it says... You're only hurting yourself with your anger. I'm sorry, let me, let me go back up. That's, that's, that's Job eighteen four. 4. My bad. Job 5, 2. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish and senseless thing to do. The Bible says that anything, anytime I get resentful, anytime I hold a grudge... That I'm foolish. That it's it, it, I'm, I'm being very foolish in what I do, and, and, and you really are. We really are. So Job 18:4. 4, 4, let's go there now. You're only hurting yourself with your anger. When you hold on to anger, it's like you're taking fire into your heart. It's like putting fire into your heart, and many times that's what we're doing with the anger that we have, with the anger that's welling up within us. Okay. You're the only one that's going to get hurt. It's like swallowing poison. It's hoping it kills the person you're, you're mad at. But it's not. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not going to be helpful to you. It's like holding a gun uh, facing you and pulling the trigger, hoping that you're getting, uh, hurting the other people on the other end of the re- with the recoil. No, it's hurting you more. In other words, you're taking the force of this, and you've got to understand that. So resentment always brings these things. And Samson lost his spiritual strength. He lost his physical strength, not just because of his self-indulgence, but because he never managed anger in his life. He let resentment begin to rule him. So, write this down. To be strong in the spirit, I must control my reactions. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What does that look like? That means if I'm over here and Mike and I, and I love this guy and he uses an example. Mike and I, and he wouldn't ever do this, that's the reason I'm using the example. But Mike and I were having a a talk and we're into something and all of a sudden he just smacks me. What would you like to do? Smack him back, you know. But what should I do? Turn Turn the other cheek. I'm not sure why you just did that, Mike, and please don't do it the second time because I, first time I might let you go, second time I might kill you, no? <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> but when that happens, what do you do? You have a choice to make. I can react. How many of you ever reacted? How many, has, let me just put it this way. How many of you have been in a situation where someone has said something to you and before you know it, you said something back? I can talk that, too. I can talk just like the world can, too. I heard that down the street, too. (laughs) But how many of you know, if you've done that, which I have, maybe you have, too, that you felt about this talk and you had to say, Lord, forgive me. Hurt people hurt people. Many times when someone's coming at me like that, my my mind begins to. something's hurt them and that's reason they're hurting others and we got to understand if you want to rise above that if you want to be strong you know you need to be the one that that uses your head you know you know not your passion of whatever it is at the moment so to be strong in the spirit I must control my reactions write this down to be strong in the spirit I must control my reactions I not only have to discipline my desires, I must control my reaction. Now, the Bible says that the person who learns to control his reaction is stronger than a walled city. See, in the Old Testament, we find that, especially the promised land, they were walled cities there. Why were they walled cities? It, it was to protect them. And, 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 you know, here's a scripture says here that the Bible teaches that uh, you know, the person who learns to control his reaction is like a walled city. We need to be like a walled city. In other words, we need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We need to be above the fray. We need to be above that situation. Now, I know that's a goal that we have to set. I know that's something that many of us have to work on, but it's doable, folks. And God wants us to be uh, have a vision to go in that direction. If you believe that, say amen. Now, Proverbs twenty nine eleven. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. A wise man keeps himself under control. You know, I don't want to be like the fool. I want to be like the wise man. Do you want to be like the wise man? Number three, write this down as we close it up, okay? Number three, carelessness weakens my spirit. This is a third one. This is a big one. It catches us off guard. Carelessness carelessness. This is what Samson had. Carelessness will sap the spiritual strength right out of you. In Judges 16, and that's where we're at and we're finished up today, Judges 16, verses 1 through 20, as we look at that, anytime you get careless with your time, anytime you get careless with your health, anytime that you get careless with your money, anytime you get careless with your words, you're headed in the wrong direction. We need to control those things in our life. Anytime you get careless with your commitments, anytime you you make a commitment, and you don't keep it. This was Samson. This is, a, you know, this is who he was. Samson had amazing strength. Physically, he did. His strength was actually a gift from God, and God had given in him. It was a result of his commitment that he made. Matter of fact, Samson was called a Nazarite vow. He took that vow. You say, what is that vow? A Nazarite vow was a vow that was to live holy before God. And as a symbol of that vow, there was a number of things that one had to do. Now, if you took the Nazarite vow, you were to be uh, dedicated to God 100%. 99 and a half won't do it. would take you 100 You had to do it 100%. And you would never drink any alcohol in your life. You were never to eat a, you would eat a special diet. And the fourth thing there that the most notable that you were to do was never to cut your hair. Why? Because that cutting of the hair was a symbol, okay, of your strength, okay? And it was a symbol, it was a symbol of your commitment, I should say, to God. Your your commitment that you, in other words, just as an outward sign of uh, uh, something inwardly within you. You know, it was a symbol of your commitment to God. Why did uh, people make this Nazarite vow? You may ask that question. It was a simple way of saying that God's servant is to live differently. Basically, they were just to live differently. Now, doesn't the scripture says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world? Does the scripture says that we need to come out from among them? I mean, that we are to be different. Now, again, when it goes to outreach, we're to go to people, go into all the world, make disciples. But at the same time, to be part of their culture, to do what they're doing, we have to be different. We've got to come out of that. We've got to be different in the way that we do things. We are disciplined, maybe uh, people in the world are not, but we are. So we live above the reproach, okay? We're to be different in the culture. And Samson, however, was careless in his vow... He made a vow, but he didn't keep it. He made it, but he didn't keep it. He continually compromised his commitment out of his convenience. And if it was convenient, he did it, okay? He didn't really care. Uh, He he toyed with temptation. His attitude was not how how close to God can I get. His attitude was how close to the fire can I get without getting burned. In other words, he toyed with sin. He toyed with temptation. He played with it, okay? He played with it. He thought he was above the fray. He thought he could just do anything. And a lot of people live their lives this way. A lot of Christians are like that. They think, well, I'm Christian. I'm strong. You know, I'll be okay. It's not going to hurt me. Folks, I'll tell you, you get too close to the water, you can fall in. Come on, somebody. You get too close to the fire, you can get burned. So in chapter 16, we find the story of Delilah, okay? And Delilah is hired by Samson's enemies. Uh, Delilah is an enemy, and she represented uh, the strength that, you know, she became, what, as an enemy, she became, he represents the strength of God, her enemy, okay? So the people who hated God wanted to destroy Samson, okay? So they hired this woman, Delilah, okay? They hired her to do a job to find out his secret. What is the strength that he has, you know, what is this strength, so Samson is is an enemy, okay, Samson knows exactly what's going on, and he's aware of the game that's getting ready to be played on him, he knows that she's trying to find out the secret of his strength, the first time she comes in and she says, oh honey, you got to watch out that when they say, oh honey, you know something's coming. Please tell me the secret of your strength. He says, if you tie seven bow strings around me, then I won't be able to break them. Now, he goes to bed and, and with you know, and he wakes up the next morning. He's tied up with seven bow strings. (laughs) Duh, okay. And and there are men standing by waiting to kill him, okay. He immediately breaks the bow strings and kills the guys, okay. I mean, it's like, man, ain't nothing going to bother me like that. He knew that. The next time she does it again, she says, oh, honey, got to watch out that one. Say, oh, honey, okay, tell me the secret of your strength, okay? And, and, and he goes to bed, and he says the next morning, he says, tie seven, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he says, uh, uh, you know, if, if you'll tie seven new ropes around me, I won't be able to break them. Everybody say seven new ropes. Okay, seven new ropes. Tie seven new ropes around me. I won't be able to break them. He knows what's going on. He goes to sleep, okay? The next morning, he wakes up, and and he's tied up with seven ropes. There's men standing around to kill him. Now, he's toying with temptation. He's playing with fire. He's flirting with sin. But he breaks the rope, and he kills the guys. The next night, Delilah says, honey, you're really embarrassing me. You're making me look bad. She's actually caring more about the money that she's being paid than she does about the honey. Come on, somebody. About her husband. He doesn't care. He's toying with her, and he's testing her. And this time he says this, okay? He says, if you'll braid my hair, I'll lose my strength. Oh, think about it. Now he's actually getting close to the real secret. The secret is in his hair. He says, if you'll braid my hair. So notice he's actually getting close. So now... Now his, his hair made him strong. It was a symbol of his commitment to God and made him strong. His hair was a symbol of that commitment. He says, if you braid my hair, he's flirting with temptation. He's getting so close, okay? Uh, let me just stop here and say, what are we flirting with today? What is that thing that maybe that we're flirting with today Uh, What what do you know in your life that's wrong? Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's flirting with someone at work. Maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's stealing. Uh, uh, But what are you flirting with today? Flirting uh, with a a man or a woman at work you know is wrong. and, and, And I don't know what it may be, but you need to ask yourself that question. What is it in your life that there may be something there that you know that's wrong, that you get so close to? Maybe you don't cross the line, but you're getting so close to that line. And, the, and God is speaking to you this morning. You might be like, Samson, I can handle this. You know, I, I can get away with it. And you're getting closer and closer and closer to that fall of temptation. You may have already said, you're set yourself for the fall. And, and, and Satan has already seduced you. Maybe he's already lied to you. And you need to understand that. So this is exactly what's happening. Every morning, there were men standing in the room. And they were there to kill him. You know, he knows exactly what's going on. I mean, he's not that dumb. Nobody could be that dumb to know that. But in the 16th chapter, verses 15 and 16, he carelessly, once too often, he finally tells her. And he says this, if you cut my hair, then I lose my strength. He gave in. He finally gives her the lifestyle. And it becomes so weakened and compromise. Compromise. After compromise. And now he comes to the place. He thinks he can still handle it. It doesn't matter I'll handle it anyway. When you say these words, you're being set up by Satan, by compromising the thing that God has said to you. People don't fall off the cliff overnight. Let me tell you something. There begins to be small slippages in your life. You're getting too close to the edge, and that's what makes you fall over. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, you just don't do that overnight. I mean, it doesn't happen like that overnight. I start letting things slide. We start letting things slide here and there. And after a while, we say, well, what happened? All of a sudden, they lost their credibility. All of a sudden, they lost a their a reputation. All of a sudden, they lost their ministry. All of a sudden, they lost their finances. Folks, these things don't happen overnight. They do happen, but not overnight. Proverbs eighteen twenty, You will have to live with the consequences of everything that you do. Everybody say everything you do. Here's the second question as we close this morning. To be strong spiritually, I must develop good habits. To be strong spiritually, I must develop. Everybody say develop. Now, if I'm going to develop something in my life, it means I must be intentional about doing that. I have to bring something into my life to get me strong enough that I can overcome those things that's in the perimeters of my life, things that I am dealing with. So, to be strong spiritually, I must develop good habits. Now, we all know what bad habits are. We know where bad habits can take us. But how many of you know good habits can take you in the opposite direction? Okay, why, why, why develop good habits? We need to do something about the slipperage in our life. The solution to be strong spiritually, I must develop good habits. How? You know what? I to say that a couple of weeks we're starting a one class. and a matter of fact, it's developing good habits. It's teaching you how to develop good habits. You know, by by coming to small groups on Sunday mornings, uh, by 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 getting involved in, in 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 the teachings and things around the church Wednesday night or whatever it may be, begin to set habits in your life that you begin to do things. Begin to set habits of having a a, a regular time that you're reading the Bible, a regular time that you're praying, and and, and allowing God to do something to speak to you. How do we do that? You know. There, there's many ways, and you need to work on that. We must develop good habits. If you believe that, say amen. You are the sum of your habits. Your character is your habits. What you do habitually is your character. That's who you are. You say, well, I want to be a, a better person. Then start setting habits to be a better person. You say, I, I, I want to I, I be a friendly person. You know, show yourself friendly. In other words, we have set habits in our lives. As a matter of fact, some of us have to step out of our comfort zone to do that because it's not maybe within us. And God has to help us become that person that we want to be. That's being strong in the Lord. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, folks, I'll tell you what. I have a son. I have three sons. And I have one of my sons that's so disciplined in the area of physical health. Josh, I will not go to the gym with him. My second son, Jacob, has fell into that trap, and oh, me. But this guy is so disciplined in what he does. You know, we, we, we'll be watching something, we'll be watching a football game or something, and, and a commercial comes on, he starts, what What's this? we well, are watch the football game. He makes me tired just watching him. But I tell you one thing, he's lost seventy some pounds, and he's he's he, he looks very good. I'm like, wow. But you know what? He has to work at that. It just didn't come. Uh, uh, Moses is that how he said it didn't come to just just come to him that way. He worked on it. He began to develop good habits, and that's what we need to do if we want to be strong in the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. If you are habitly friendly. Habitually kind, honest, courageous. Then that's your character. It's got to be a habit in your life. You know, the Bible says, "Write it down that you may look upon it." Uh, you know, the the Word of God and things in your in your in your home, in your car. Put reminders of things you're supposed to do. You know, look at your calendar and do you have anything on there that you put? You know, do my Bible study or my Bible reading or or my praying today or or, or what, you know, building those things into your life. It just doesn't happen. You have to make a habit of it. If you believe that, say amen. Now, next week, we're going to show you three habits that will change your life. The Bible says, build, in Ephesians 6.10, we've been quoting it beginning to the end of the service. Build up your strength. That's something that you do. God didn't say, well, I'm going to build you up. I'm going to No, God says, you, build up your strength. Build up your strength. How, in union with the Lord, and by means of His mighty power. How many of you want to be strong in the Lord? Let me see your hands. Oh, hallelujah! We can do that. Yes, Jacob comes this morning. I want to pray with you. I want to sing a course uh, and um, one course, just a part of a course or whatever. But I want to pray with you. And uh, you know, I'm just um, I'm thinking about our young people going to elevate and the strength that I've seen. In them and it's just a reminder of how we as a church body need to be strong in the Lord and folks it, it can be a witness tool that we could have in our lives because I believe there's so many people that they too want to be strong in the Lord and some has to lead the way if you believe that say amen would you bow your heads with me this morning father I thank you for each and every one that's here today I thank you for what you're doing in and through their lives And, Lord, I know that we're in this world, but we're not of it. And I know, God, that we're affected by it. And I know, God, that the only recourse for us to be healthy and successful in this world is to be strong. And I lift my hands toward this congregation. And I pray that they'd be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Would you stand with me? Would you lift your hands toward heaven? Oh, hallelujah.